if you just if you want to open a bar because you want to make a lot of money, open up a dive bar. It's um, a um, a busy dive bar, but open up a dive bar. Yeah. Um, it's mostly just shots. It's yeah, it is, and it, it, like we were saying and your earlier, overhead is right. You're like your liquor overhead. Yes, because you can get the really cheap, you know, yeah. bottles of, of liquor, and then you charge, you know, like seven bucks for the shot, and it costs them like thirteen cents. And it's just um, if if you want a big headache, but um, a creative outlet, um, then go the craft cocktail. We're back for yet another episode of the Best of Midland Texas podcast. We haven't been canceled yet. Not yet. Which is perfect. On this podcast, we talk about the best of Midland, Texas. Entrepreneurs, business owners, local personalities, talking about their life, their loves, their losses, and their businesses in the best city in the world. In the Permian Basin, for sure. In the world and the Permian <laughs> Basin. Like, top notch. I am Ryan Shuchuk. This is, if you can believe it, it's my stunning wife. Right. <laughs> Tara Avery. Hello. We have we have a guest today. Yeah. We have uh we have a heavy hitter. Yeah. We have uh I'm gonna go ahead and say top shelf guest. I would say so too. You know what I'm saying? Premium connoisseur. Yes. Erica Mann, co owner of the Blue Door. You know it. You know the Blue Door. You've spent many a night at the Blue Door. So as Ryan just said, Erica is one of the owners of Midland's original cocktail bar, The Blue Door. When she's not creating fabulous cocktails with her staff, she's advocating for the control of the overwhelming stray cat population in Midland and surrounding areas, I feel like, but doing so in a humane way. Erica, we so appreciate all your efforts and the way you really try to educate others in the process. Before we get into the Trap Neuter Release program, though, let's talk about booze. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so good to be here. We know you're super busy. I mean, you you run a bar. Yeah. We are not going to keep you here for six, seven hours. We're you know <laughs> feed you Red, Red Bulls, but we really do uh, appreciate you being on. And no, I appreciate <laughs> the invitation. I listen to tons of podcasts. I've seen podcasts. Like Crime Junkie is my favorite. Oh, okay. Seeing that one being um, taped in Austin, and so now it's coming full circle. I think I've, I'm hitting all of the bases for podcasts. Are you thanks big, for having uh, me. Are you a big true crime? Absolutely. Yeah, if I'm cleaning, if I'm cooking, it's true crime that I'm listening to. That's what I put on to go to sleep at night. Yeah. <laughs> Forensic Files puts us to sleep. But I love it. I do, too. It's <laughs> oddly calming, and I've Googled it to make sure, like, <laughs> that you're not a am sociopath. I, am I okay? <laughs> I, th I think we're okay. I'm so not let's be just part talk of about this now before we even get into this, because I'm thirsty, and mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, this really looks really good. So what did you bring for us today? I brought you one of my absolute favorite cocktails. Um, it is called a Vucare, and okay. it is uh, was created in New Orleans around the 1940s. Okay. Um, it was created at the Hotel Monteleone. There's a bar on the ground floor called the Carousel Bar, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a carousel, so you sit and hmm. it looks like an old-fashioned carousel. Um, and so this is their signature drink, and it is a blend of... Equal parts rye, sweet vermouth, cognac, and then there's a bit of Benedictine, and then two types of bitters. There is uh, Peychaud's bitters and Angostura bitters. What's a Peychaud's bitters? It is. It's a bitters that is. It's very um, kind of 
floral as compared to Angostura, which is more of a has more spice undertones, mm. and so it's more of a floral bitters. And it is the essential bitters if you're making a Sazerac. Okay. So if you were to make a Sazerac and use Angostura bitters, you would need to call it something else because they are very rigid about the rules about making a Sazerac. The Sazerac is actually the um, official cocktail of New Orleans. People yeah. think it's a hurricane. Yeah, that was uh, a hand <laughs> Or a hand grenade. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but it, it is actually the Sazerac. And so so the Vucre has um, two types of bitters, three types of, uh, well, two types of spirits, sweet vermouth, and then a Benedictine. And I just, people's go-to tends to be, say, like an Old Fashioned or a mm-hmm. Manhattan, and it has those components to it as far as being a super spirit-forward cocktail. Okay. It's mainly just booze. Um, but to me, because of the components in it, especially the Benedictine and then the two bitters, it's a lot more, um, there's more depth to it mm-hmm. and a more complex flavor profile. And so this cocktail... Is something that when someone comes to us and they are, say, like a, a Crown and Coke type whiskey Coke drinker, okay. but they're trusting us enough to give them something new, this is typically what we will ah. serve them. And it's just kind of a cocktail that they probably never thought that they would drink before, yeah. but it's 9.9 out of 10 times. Oh. Um, it's a success. Well, what is Benedictine? Yeah, I thought he was uh, the host. Uh, he's on uh, Sherlock Holmes, right? I, I, I don't know if he's on Sherlock <laughs> Holmes. I thought he was a traitor. I don't know. <laughs> it's a, um, Benedictine is a French liqueur. Okay. And so the difference between a liqueur and a liquor, liquor is going to be things like vodka, gin, rum, very it's high proof, high alcohol, no sugar okay. or low sugar. And then a, um, a liqueur is also called a cordial. Mm-hmm. And so that's things like... Um, like any sort of peach or pear or chambord, those kind mm-hmm. of things. They're, so they're lower in alcohol content, but higher in sugar content. So they're sweet. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, Benedictine is... Is that like grenadine? Grenadine is more of a syrup. Oh, that's right. My, because there's not, not even, any there's alcohol. alcohol. Chambord exactly. or... Mm-hmm. Right. But they, they serve the same purpose in a cocktail. Like if you do a grenadine, it's to sweeten that cocktail. If you had a, a cordial yeah, or a liqueur, it's to sweeten Shirley it. When I hit Temples. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like extra grenadine. (laughs) So Benedictine is uh, made by Benedictine monks um, in France. And so it is brandy based, but it's very herbaceous. There's something like, I don't have the number right, like 133 different herbs and root like barks. And only two monks at a time know the official recipe. Wow. Um, And then when one's on his deathbed, then you've got to give that recipe to the next, the next the, the next, next guy, guy in line. Yeah. The Dalai Lama of yes. booze. <laughs> so first of all, how do you, I, I don't want to say how do you spell this, but how do you say this drink again? Because I wouldn't even know how to order it. Vu. Um, Vu. Curé. Vu Curé. There you go. Perfect. Vu Curé. Okay. And that is actually one of the reasons that I believe that this cocktail is so um, underrated and hasn't really caught on because if people see it on a menu right. and they don't know how to pronounce it, they're nervous to... To try it. And then I think also, A, you don't know how to pronounce it. And then you're looking at the ingredients and there's a lot of them and some of them are unfamiliar. And, you know, like with an old fashioned whiskey, sugar, bitters. Okay, I get that, you know, but with the Vucre, I think it could be a a bit intimidating, but it's actually a very approachable Hmm. cocktail for the style. 
And so I think we started making those in 2013 okay. because in New Orleans, they have Tales of the Cocktail. They have mm -hmm. it every summer. It's just a huge cocktail conference. Why they decided to have a conference in the middle of the summer in New Orleans <sighs> is is lost on me, but yeah. that's when it is. <laughs> and so we used, to, we used to go to those for quite a few years and we would take some of our bartenders there. Right. And so New Orleans is just, it's really close to our heart as far as cocktail culture. Because again, like we were saying, people tend to think of New Orleans as being Bourbon Street and you're just there for a bachelor party Mardi to Gras. get Right, exactly, <laughs> yes. But, but I believe outside of possibly San Francisco, but I still think New, New Orleans beats it. It just has the best cocktail culture and like traditional cocktail I've culture. I've never been to New Orleans. So. I think you guys would dig it the most. I it love is just, New Orleans. Yeah. I mean, wonderful. if you go again, you know, we're not bartenders, but, mm -hmm. you know. We'll tag along. Yeah, we'll. If you want to bring some podcasts, he'll make some great content for you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> content trip. All right, like, we can write that off. All right, Absolutely. bring out the hand grenades. Okay, let's have. You're not having the same thing. This is something. Right, I'm just having a little bit of wine in case I need to go into work tonight, uh, and so I just I need call. to. Yeah, I like your style. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're just trying to get us drunk. Right, exactly. Okay, perfect. perfect. All right, well, it's not going to take much. Let's have a little <laughs> sippy here. Who knows where this? is Cheers, going. guys. Again. Yeah. All right. So smell it first. There's a cherry in it. I already know. I like Ooh. it. Okay. Cherry and then a bit of lemon so, oil. A little ASMR. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's not, the, that's just all booze. That's it. There's no, there's not any syrups, no juices, nothing like that. My kind of cocktail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's just get straight to the point. That's the way <laughs> I like to drink. Uh, so you opened the Blue Door 10 years ago in 2012 as a passion project. Passionate about opening a business, passionate about owning a bar. Like, give us the whole story. I'd say more passionate. Like, we already owned businesses. We had, um, I think three Eskimo huts at the time. Oh, okay. So I think having that experience, there was there was some comfort level for sure yeah. um, going into this um, venture, but it was more passion about the craft. Okay. Um, prior to I think kind of this cocktail renaissance that really started about twenty years ago, mm -hmm. but that I became more familiar with probably thirteen, fourteen years ago. Uh, prior to that, I was just into food. Mm -hmm. And okay. like all of my travels were centered around the food scene. As soon as the plane ticket was booked, I was was checking out the recipes. But that was like um, even pre-Pinterest. I had like a binder <laughs> with clippings that I would take out of like food and wine or Bon Appetit. Yeah, so in I was, real life Pinterest. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I remember the first bar that I went to where I realized that cocktails can be something that's not just, I like this liquor mm. with tonic or not just Sprite. like a vodka soda. Exactly. Yeah. And that was at the Starlight Room in San Francisco. Nice. And I had never heard of St. Germain before. That's mm -hmm. just, I mean, it's so standard now, but at the time I was having to kind of like look it up, like what is this? And and it was, the, I think, my first experience with the cocktail list. Mm -hmm. And so that just blew me away that right. you could basically do with cocktails what you were doing with food. And so, yes, it, it became, it was more of a passion of just working with, with new ingredients and new spirits. And, and it was all new to me. And so that was really exciting to just to see what was available and um, get to experiment. And I really just, I wanted to bring that to to Midland because at that time, the bar scene was, was not nearly as robust as it is now. It was mainly, you know, sports bars and dive bars. And, and I love both of those. They have their total time and place, but I felt that... Um, that I could really channel kind of my creative energy Absolutely. into a cocktail bar. Yeah, I love that. 
When did you when did you come to Midland? How long have you been here? I've been here 20 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And pre- like where are you from originally? Houston. Houston okay. and then San Antonio and then and then here. And so it was a huge culture shock when I moved here. And you know, Midland was a lot different two decades ago. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and I came kind of like kicking and screaming and with really a bad attitude. And you still see people with those bad attitudes today. Uh, I think I had more of a reason because there was a lot less. Um, but, and coming from big cities with right. lots of culture and nightlife mm-hmm. and even just like, you know, like you could pop into like we have some good museums here, but it wasn't like the options that you have in those larger right. cities. And Wagner Noel wasn't here and that mm-hmm. was really a game changer in Midland. Um, but, but yeah, like I was still a brat and I still, you know, <laughs> was just kind of, um, I didn't have my eyes wide open and that has changed dramatically over the last decade or so. And it's, yes, Midland has changed, but I think that, that my, that I've changed yeah. and, and I realize that there's, there's good anywhere you are. You just have to you have to find it. And yeah. now I find myself being incredibly annoyed when people say there's nothing to do here because there's plenty there's to so do much here. To do. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And especially for a community that is this size and that is so far removed from other larger cities, what we have here, I think we're spoiled for choice. And yeah, I'm really proud of. I mean, it's the people that made this happen. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the people that are willing to kind of like stick their necks out there and try businesses that that maybe others were telling them would never work. And, and they did it, and, and now people are seeing that happen, and so we're having more and more um, choices. I love that. Where did the name come from, Blue Door? So that came from a trip, I want to say that was maybe two years prior, to Turkey. And so in Turkey, I was absolutely obsessed with the blue doors. The shops had blue doors. The homes oh, okay. had blue doors. Blue doors everywhere. And it was that, that vibrant blue that is the color that we have. And like most of my, my photos from that turkey trip were blue doors and cats because that's the first experience I that I it. had with like kind of like a TNR and seeing that in action. Um, so yeah, when we were trying to come up with the name, everything we were coming up just seemed so like too, like trying to be too hip and just really wanting to steer away from that. Yeah. Because we're in West Texas, and I wanted it to be something approachable. I didn't want it to have like this kind of um, this very narrow market that mm-hmm. would make people feel like they couldn't come in if they weren't dressed a certain way. Gotcha. Right. And uh, what I liked about the Blue Door is that I felt that it could be an image as far as branding and marketing, where people could just see that image mm-hmm. and would automatically know where it is, what, what yeah. it is, and where it is, and what it's about. And um, and then I just, just started researching, look, because I like to know the why. Yeah. Like, you know, why are the blue doors everywhere? And it's supposed to bring prosperity. I thought, well, that's good, right? Yeah. New business, prosperity. And it's supposed to ward off evil spirits. Like, that's good too, right? I don't want that. Yeah. So it just it just kind of seemed that it fit all of the all of the the, the marks that I had. Yeah. Is 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 it um, specific to Turkey, or is it a? I think that there's a, probably a Mediterranean okay. um, kind of aspect to it, but that's the only place that I like. That's where I was introduced yeah. to. Your it. Pinterest board was all blue <laughs> all doors, all blue doors, and cats. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So in 2018, I came to Midland for the first time to go to Tara's. Uh, I'll say five year high school reunion. Wink. Times four. You know, she was like, all right, we're going to go to Midland. This is where I, you know, grew up, went to school. We went to a football game. 
the first night. We did I, it was the, the night before. Night? Yeah. yeah. She was like, you're going to, you're about to see some football. Like, like this is you were getting lights. the West Texas. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, oh. I dig it. I was I'm like, like oh. have you seen varsity blues? <laughs> I was like, oh, like, like the whipped cream scene. Yeah. I thought that. I was like, <laughs> yeah just like that. Just like that. And that's what I wore to the game. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm ready. I wore whipped cream. It was cool. Um, and after, uh, after that game, we actually ended up at the blue door. So the blue door was technically the first bar mm-hmm. I ever visited or ever drank at. I love that. In Midland, Texas. I love that. I walked in. I was like, oh, I was like, this is Vegas. Okay, this is Vegasy. Nice. It's nice. dark. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, like walked up to the bar and I was like, you know, I don't remember what I ordered. Obviously, it was probably, it was probably old fashioned. I'll be honest. Probably. Um, and I was like, okay, they got a patio and everything. You don't even have patios in Vegas, but I was like, Cause it's too this hot. Is, like, this was my vibe immediately. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, okay, th- like if we come back here. We didn't know that two years later, you know, we'd be yeah, moving. We here. Right. Yeah. Well, I love that you say that because that's really the, I mean, our target audience, if I were to narrow it down when we opened was very much for transplants mm-hmm. uh, because especially in 2012, Midland was booming. And okay. oil prices were about the same as they they are right now, but the climate was was very different. That that boom was different. Like Midland was, um, we were having a good time, yeah. and we had so many people from Dallas and Houston and Denver that had moved here, and we just knew that that was something that they were going to be hungry for gotcha. was something that kind of felt, you know, pretty ubiquitous. And like you're saying, like, I mean, that's, it's just normal to have this type of a bar in Vegas, but, um, in I Midland mean, yeah. it was lacking. Yeah. It's almost like, um, the bar that bartenders go to sure. after their mm-hmm. shift. Right. You know right. What I'm saying? Yes, like, I do. These are the places like it's same with, it's same with chefs, right? Like chefs mm-hmm. go to certain places after shift, they know I'm gonna get the best stuff and then, you know, mm-hmm. like have those great conversations. And I was like, okay, this is a place where People who know cocktails drink. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Like I was living 1,800 miles away in 2012, and I would get phone calls from like friends and stuff, and they'd be like, oh my gosh, Midland just got this like new bar. It's so nice to go somewhere where it's not like loud and smoky mm-hmm. and, and not the, the typical thing that you're used to out here. Um, but they also did kind of say that like the price point's going to be a little bit higher, but it's totally worth it. What your friends were saying was definitely something that we were a little bit nervous about mm-hmm. where we were, we were confident that there was a market for it, Yeah, but we did know that especially people who were, were from Midland and maybe hadn't traveled outside to other cities and been to these bars yet, that there were going to be some things that might be a little jarring for them at first. And, and so that, the price point is one of those things that we knew was going to be different than um, kind of like a, a typical bar at the time. I was okay with that yeah. because I felt that they would try the drinks and that they would end up getting it they would, and they would understand. Yeah. Um, and then another thing that, well, we were the only non-smoking bar in Midland at the time. Yeah. And so that was, that was a, a challenge at first too, because people just insisted that it was impossible to have, a non-smoking bar, but I, I also knew that there might be some resistance or shock when we bring you your, at the, that time, it was like $8, $9 drinks. Mm-hmm. You would bring them that cocktail and it's going to be in a small glass. Mm-hmm. And right. they're used to going to places where it comes in a, you know, like a pint glass, a pint glass, yeah. right? And, 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 but what they're not understanding is that, yes, that glass is 16 ounces, but that's not 16 ounces of alcohol. Right. It's, it's about 14 and a half ounces of syrup I, and juices <laughs> and all of those kinds of things. Whereas, um, with, with our cocktails or just the style of cocktails, it's much more about the, the spirit and mm-hmm. the, 
the stuff that you're paying for. Yeah. Um, it's much more about that. And so there's not as much filler. And so, yes, the drink is smaller, but you're going to feel. With those big drinks, it's very like good. 90% you're, it's, ice. It's going to get right. you there. It's going to get it's you gonna there It's going to get quicker. you there. That's exactly, that's exactly right. So you're so, really getting more bang for your buck. Yes, yeah. you, you are. And, and then there's the also just that, yes, you could go get this vodka soda for $4 at this bar. But that bottle of vodka that they're, that they're pouring costs them $8. Yeah. And, and we don't have any of those products. We never have. It's always been. That just makes me cringe. Stuff that you of. would know. Right. It was a really needing to trust the process. Yeah. And to know that you're going to get feedback, I can't tell you for the first probably year, the thing I heard the most was, do you know what you should do? Do you know what you should do? And you just have to listen because sometimes they're right. You know what I mean? But, but still just stay really focused on, on the vision Yeah, and then just believing and trusting that people are going to appreciate it. And they, and they did, you know, it just, and it, it didn't take that long. Um, I think that it helped when, other bars with similar-ish concepts started opening, and then it started to become kind of normal for places to have cocktail menus. And so now this is quite normal for yeah. everyone, and it's it's not surprising yeah. anymore. But at the time, there was a bit of probably sticker shock and size shock and those those sorts of things. What was the t- Ooh, what was the time frame <laughs> of coming up? Like, okay, we want to open a bar to like actually opening the doors maybe 10 months which okay. is, wow. is not much at all right so we decided in 2011 we went to Portugal and we were on this teeny time we were it's a small little coastal town called Salema only one bar and so we would go to this car bar Aventura they're still open and it was owned by a couple um, Carl and Zoe they're a British couple and so there's only one bar we went there so we went there every night but we wanted to go there every night because it, it was it was good drinks. It wasn't these um, we created these cocktails menu, but it was a menu of well-made classics. Okay, right. And so we enjoyed going there and we got to know the owners well. And, you know, I think almost every couple at some point says they want to open a bar because that just sounds like We've fun. Said that <laughs> it sounds it sounds so like so much fun. And so we had done that for probably quite a few years, especially when you're like three drinks deep. Oh, yeah. You definitely want to open yeah, a bar. That's when you have the best idea. Yes, exactly. So um yeah, we're just sitting there with Carl and Zoe and we just thought, you know, like they're people. We're people. They opened a bar. Let's open a bar. And so we originally actually planned for it to be open by April. So that would have just been probably six or seven months, but construction, you know how that that goes. And so we ended up opening in July. So less than a year. Even knowing you were coming on the show, I was like, I really want to pick her brain about what it takes to open a bar. Cause I feel like if I just landed on some sort of foreign beach destination and I was like, I don't even know what I want to do. I feel like I would go, I don't know. I would just want to be a bartender and talk with expats and tourists all day and it'd be the best thing in the world like, i could see you doing that yes. he would be so good at it yeah i'd be like yeah let's uh, I'd be like babe we gotta go <laughs> just say yeah don't let go of that dream maybe not now but at some point eventually yeah yeah what i tell people is if you just if you want to open a bar because you want to make a lot of money open up a dive bar it's um a um a busy dive bar but open up a dive bar yeah um it's mostly just shots. It's yeah, it is, and it, it, like we were saying, and your early, overhead is right. You're like your liquor overhead. Yes, because you can get the really cheap, you know, oh. bottles of, of liquor, and then you charge, you know, like seven bucks for the shot, and it costs them like thirteen cents. And it's just um, if if you want a big headache, 
but um, a creative outlet, um, then go the craft cocktail. Because it's just, it's a, it's a much more difficult operation to run. The overhead yeah. is so much higher mm. because the expectation is higher. The expectation with the ingredients, your glassware is going to be more expensive. You can't just let things get run down or break and ignore them for a while. They need to be fixed because yeah. people expect that. And so there's a lot more. Um, if, if this were a dive bar, I would have been able to step away yeah. probably right. nine years ago, you know, but, but I do feel that with this kind of place, there needs to be much more of a, of an owner presence. Yeah. A hands-on approach. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Y'all often host fundraisers for different organizations like this, blah, 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 like fix West Texas. How often do you host these events? We do organized fundraisers typically once a quarter. Okay. And so our last one was for fix and that was, I think in July when we did our, our luau for the dogs. And so we're going to do another one in October. So it'll be a yappy hour, but it'll be an Oktoberfest yappy hour. <gasps> I'll start it. promoting that pretty soon because I was blown away by the costumes that all of the dogs were wearing at the luau. And so I just feel like the parents are going to be very extra with Oktoberfest We got to get our dog a costume. Lederhosen for Fox. All right. I support this. I support this decision so much. It's going to be so much fun. And Start looking now. Yeah, yeah. We're already we'll getting our Oktoberfest uh, beers. I mean, Will has ordered some, and so that we'll have those stocked. It's gonna. It's gonna be a good time. So we do them about once a quarter, but we'll, we will usually anytime there is a, another event happening. If there's a way to kind of organically. Um, add a fundraiser into it, we will as well. Just like our 10-year. That wasn't specifically a fundraiser, but I just thought, okay, a lot of people are going to come. A lot of people are seeing this, so we may as well throw some donations in there. And it's just so easy for me to do it um, as far as making the decision to do it and being motivated to do it just because Midland shows up every single time. Absolutely. And so why not – do these fundraisers because I, I know what I ask. It, it's it's never mattered in ten years what I've asked for as far as donations um, and for what cause it is. They they always show up and yeah. always provide. And so I just I really appreciate. I think that that is probably one of the things that made me um, embrace Midland more than when I was being kind of a baby cry about the whole thing. You know, I realized <laughs> yeah. like you just need to stop because this is a really good community. We've got big hearts here. Yeah. I mean, you did a fundraiser for the victims of the Uvalde shooting. Yes. Y'all did uh, the stand up for Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Like, I love your passion for Fix West Texas. Well, explain Explain fixed successes for the, for our 17 million YouTube subscribers <laughs> out there who, who may or may not know what that is. Fixed West Texas is the it, it's the the answer. It's the solution to a problem that that I've been aware of for probably the, about the last 15 years, and that is just the the overwhelming amount of unwanted dogs and cats in Midland, and and people just. Unless they're put in a situation where they find a dog or a cat and they're trying to find a rescue that takes it, they don't understand how kind of tragic it is because there's not a space for them. The the shelters are overrun. And, you know, like the dogs and cats that are completely healthy and friendly are being put down on a daily basis. And we, we cannot out 
adopt this problem. We can't outrescue this problem. There's not enough yeah. space. And so the the only solution out of outside of just rounding up all of these animals and euthanizing them is to stop the reproduction. Yeah. And that is what Karen Patterson has done with Fixed West Texas. She has like like created the kind of like our, our last hope in a way um, by providing not just mass um, spays and neuters, but doing it affordably. And that's the problem that we had prior is that there are most humans want to do the right thing. Most animal owners want to do the right thing. It's just out of their budgets yeah. because a, a spay or spay or neuter for a dog can run you five, six, seven hundred dollars easily. Mm. And oh. that just that just should not be it can't be the case. Um because that's just not that's not affordable. Yeah. And you're trying to get people to adopt animal. You know, it's just it's just not affordable. And so and like when I used to originally was doing TNR, I was doing it on my on my own and having to find vets that would do it. And it wasn't allowed in Midland at the time. And so it was hard oh, wow. to find a vet a vet. And um I was spending upwards of 150 to 180 per cat. That's not sustain. That's not a no. sustainable model yeah. when there are so many. And so that's just that's uh, so. Fix West Texas is a low cost spay neuter vaccination clinic, and I mean it costs when you get the city voucher in combination with their low rates. It, it it's just dollars is yeah. what it costs you. They're amazing. She's amazing. She's she, she's my she's my superhero. I mean, we found our dog. Eating out of a dumpster. Behind this building. Yeah. Behind this building. Like, yeah. it was actually in the alley behind uh, oh, yeah. Ivy Cottage. Yeah. And he thought it was an actual fox. I thought it was a fox. I hadn't seen one yet. Okay. But I We always saw it was like the big ears. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a dog. Stop the car. Yeah, she was like, stop the car. I'm. Ju-. She jumped out. He was like, that dog's not going to let you pick it up. I'm like, watch me. And I walked over and I snatched him and he goes, er. <laughs> And I was like, I love you. He wasn't you. real committed. No. <laughs> like, I love park. you. Uh, you're a huge cat lover. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I've seen your Instagram stories. Are those cats, that's at your house? Yes. Okay. Yes. I love cats and dogs. Okay. Um, I, I, equal opportunity, you know, any animal really. Um, but, but cats have just, they're just with my lifestyle and, and liking to travel. They're just, they're just easier. Yeah. Um, but so, yes, the cats that are outside, those are outside my house. So there was a um, girlfriend. She's a tabby. She showed up skinny as could be. Wait, that's the cat's name is Girlfriend? Girlfriend, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that they all have names. Yeah, because she was so sassy. Uh, but, yeah, she was so skinny. And after she started kind of showing up regularly for about a week or two, I said, okay, I'm, I'm just going to get you fixed. And so I trapped her because there was no way I could touch her. She hated me. She hissed at me. So I trapped her, and I got her fixed. And about, I don't know, about two weeks later, I was looking out my backyard window and I just see these three kittens in the yard. Oh. I'm like, well, those are cute, but where the hell they come from? <laughs> and then it's I like turn around and she's girlfriends nursing them. And, I, and so what I realized is she was nursing these kittens when she came to me. And so I took her away from her babies, not knowing, oh. got her fixed. And then everything, everyone was fine. And so I was able to get um, one of them adopted out with one of my employees that moved to Seattle. So I'm going to get to see him oh, in nice. October because I'm going to go out there. Um, but the other two, just I wasn't able to adopt them out. And they weren't like super tame at the time. So they're fixed. And then James Bond, the one, he's a he's a tuxedo cat. <laughs> he showed up about two years ago. I was like, that's fine. So, yes, I've got this little colony of four 
that they're all fixed, they're all vaccinated. And thankfully, my neighbors are all kind of in the same mindset. Yeah. We're all super supportive. And I think it's just a lot easier for people to support when they know that you're not just a feeder. Yeah. So, right. Like they know that this, this, there's, there's, yeah, right. And there are not any other babies that are coming out of this. They're not going it's to like reproduce. Tr- they know you're not trying to attract them. Like, right. Exactly. Exactly. Just to increase the population. I feel like, you know, in uh, was it 101 Dalmatians, when all the dogs are like talking to each other, mm-hmm. I feel like that's probably what the cats are doing. I They're like, she'll help y'all. I, I do think that they do that. And so, like, yes, do. absolutely. There used to be this male pops. He's still in the neighborhood. I see him sometimes. Uh, but he was, he he played around a lot, but he always brought the moms to me. Aww. Yeah, it was really sweet, but it was also a big fat headache, yeah. you know, because <laughs> especially this was before TNR was like a thing yeah. in Midland. There weren't any um, like vouchers. And so it was so expensive. I'd get the mom fixed, I'd get the babies fixed and um, get them adopted out if I could. But I eventually, he was my white whale. And we caught him. The drop trap that I posted the other day, uh, we were never able to get him in a traditional trap. So we, I purchased this $200 drop trap hey. just for Pops. Whoa. And that's how we were able to get him. And um, I was, took him to the vet and, and got him fixed. And he, he's never come into my yard again. He's still mad. It's been three years. It's fine. <laughs> he's like, I man, get girl, it. you ruined right. my game. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Way to go, Pops. <laughs> Pops. Uh, Pops is a busy man. Yeah. Rolling Stone. <laughs> that's a perfect name for him. So you 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 do host other events though too, right? Yes. So, um, so the charcuterie class. Charcuterie class. We have to stay on. We have to stay on track with all of your events on bestofmidlandtx.com. Yes. I appreciate you guys for posting those, and it's it's super. Um, it's user friendly. It's really easy to send you guys those events, and it's not something that I put off because it's going to be a pain. What are, what other events do you have uh, on coming up? We're going to have so we're doing one trivia a month because what we have figured out is that our clientele they like themed trivia. Um, so we did the office the office last month or yeah last month. We're going to yeah. do friends next month. <gasps> we're going. Um, so I'll send you guys. Sorry. I'm, I'm going to try to work on all those <laughs> September graphics very soon and get them to you all. And then we have um, Bleak Art, Audrey. Yeah. yeah. She did her art show with us last like, summer of 2021. We have one coming up with her mid-September. It's going to be She's fantastic. So she, I, I adore her. She actually used to be a bartender for us. Oh, really? Yes. And so it's, um, and I love having her mural in my, in, on our hallway and just her it's art so on our pretty. wall. And so she's been working this past um, three or four weeks just gathering her ideas, but also her art and making it. And so that'll be mid, mid-September. We tried to talk to her about coming on the podcast. She was like, I'm just so shy. Yeah. I'm like, that's okay. Reach out. I'm shy. Yeah, she's she's shy, but, you know, we get a couple cocktails down or she'll be just Perfect. fine. Mm-hmm. But she has been just super um, stacked Good. with with. Yeah, with with um, projects basically. That's awesome. So that's probably another. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's change the subject a little bit. Okay. Let's talk about boo the pandemic. I had read mm-hmm. that you were pretty vocal about the shutdowns and and the differences between bars uh, rules and restaurants rules, mm-hmm. and you were shut down Six twice. Months. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, explain uh, what was going on at that time. I mean, obviously, a lot of businesses were. You know, well. Anytime I talk about my response and my anger during that time period, I always want to make something very clear. Sure. Um, 
I was not a COVID denier. I did not take COVID lightly at at all. Um, In fact, like we, we started doing protective measures before we, anyone was shut down the first time. I was just kind of listening to what, like what people in other cities were doing because it was hitting these other cities before it was hitting us. And so we started doing that. And then we voluntarily closed before we were told to shut down because it was like, I I just, I didn't need anyone to tell me that that felt like the right thing to do at the time. It felt like the right thing to do because we, it was something brand new that none of us had experienced before. We didn't know what was going on and it felt like the right choice for um, our community uh, was just to be a little bit proactive yeah. and, and and safer rather than sorry right sure. and so so that was no issue that that first shutdown was not was not a problem for me where I um, started getting frustrated was when things started to reopen okay. mm-hmm. because right. of course we weren't expecting when we when we decided to close our doors we weren't expecting it to be for months on end yeah. um, it was more to kind of like let's assess let's figure out the best ways to move forward and you know, everyone was felt like it was everyone was being allowed to be like to move forward, except for us, mm-hmm. except for bars. Yeah. And that, yes, I resented that because I you can't give me any rationale that tells me that that bars were the reason for a global pandemic. I, I right. don't believe that. And I, I honestly don't feel like our, our governor believed that. I, I think that people were just kind of reacting and maybe it felt like a bit of a scapegoat to to say we're doing something. Yeah. Um, but I didn't feel that that keeping us shut down was making the community safer. Yeah. And uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I can right. see that. Yeah. Right. If it were, if we were truly, if if serving at a bar top was the cause of the pandemic, and it was all the, linked the, back to then that, of yeah. course, then I would have I would have just said then that's what we have to do. That's our mm-hmm. bad luck. Um, and so with with the second shutdown, the anger was, again, that it was just us, just this one tiny industry, mm-hmm. and that there was no warning. And so we were allowed to order all of our inventory and have all of this product oh, come wow, in. Oh, I never thought about that. And, yeah. and now we're just sitting on it because I learned by tweet. I w- woke up in the – I went to, to bed running a bar. I woke up to wow. this this tweet. And so – it was this feeling of just being very dismissed and like we couldn't get people to return our emails. We couldn't get people to return our phone calls. It was as if we didn't matter as business owners and taxpayers and people who have bills just like everyone else and people who have employees that they care about just like everyone else and that we weren't given any benchmarks. We weren't given any kind of um, idea of when you know, and so I would run into you know, like is everything was open and people were flying and they were going to gyms and they were getting their nails done. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, you could and restaurants were were, were going just like nothing and yeah. it really ever happened. And they had bar programs and they had cocktails. And so it just all just seemed like insanity. And it was just incredibly like stressful uh, and just hard mentally. Yeah. And then, you know, I would have people like run into me and say, well, don't you think you should change your concept? And I was just like, God, I hope not, you know, but, but you were kind of wondering. easier said than done. It's way easier. That's yeah. spoken like not a business owner. Like it's just so easy. And so it you was can't just, just turn into a restaurant overnight. Right. Yeah. That's what they meant. Like, why don't you just be a restaurant that also has a bar? Right. Exactly. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I mean, 
I need you to come and see my space first of all. Right, that, that's like a six month project right <laughs> yeah. there, and and, and I want a restaurant. Like I, I want the blue door, you know. And so it was, it was really difficult. But um, my my strategy for sanity is I don't do well not being active, mm-hmm. and so so yeah, I was vocal. Um, I wanted to Which communicate. Yeah, I wanted to communicate first of all with just our our customer base, and. Um, and I wanted to communicate in some way to, to make other people hear us because it felt very, um, very like not forgotten by the community because they didn't forget us at all, but just by, by the people that, the that were telling me that yeah, the power yes, exactly. But, um, you know, Instagram actually really helped me during that time period because I was able to not just communicate about my anger because I didn't do it that often. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, but right. still communicate with our, with our customer base and these people that we had known for eight years and, um, and do like, you know, fun little tutorials, just like, just like when we were running yeah. our business, you know what I mean? And I'm um, kind of like keeping that, that connection going and, you know, just the, 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 I think the common theme of this podcast has just been how um, supportive the community is. I mean, it's it was so ridiculous, and I'll try not to cry because it, it sounds silly. But if you cry, I'll cry. So. <laughs> you know, it's just like we had all of this fruit because we had ordered all of this inventory. Yeah. And we didn't know what else to do with our time, so we just went up there and we juiced. And people like they just came. And they lined up outside, oh, and we leave their juice. They didn't need juice. You know what I mean? But they, they, wanted, get, but they wanted to support in some way. And it was monetarily, it was, you know, not that significant in the grand scheme of things. It was more the showing up, yeah. like like that kind of support. Like, they're uh, just, just beautiful people. Like, yeah, I'm just like it. like delivering their grapefruit juice in their backseat because we're trying to keep a distance. Yeah. And I'm right, like, right. <laughs> <laughs> the trunk. Right, exactly. It was such a weird time. Um, but The Midland community is amazing. They are amazing. They are amazing. People pull together, were, yeah. Yeah, to be able to make something really beautiful out of something simple. Like, I, yeah. I love them. All right, so let's... Let's talk booze. Yes. I love your quizzes because I'm always like, oh, I know. You should have your own show. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I like to get in and out and be, and and be done. You know, stories, you know, 15 seconds. I'm good. Let me pitch you on a, let me pitch you on a show because one, the sort of the moral of this whole episode has been good ideas come from traveling around the world. Correct. Yes. And I have done none of that. I haven't been anywhere. I, I took you to Maine. Tijuana once I was there. Oh, bless. No big deal. I don't think I learned, you know, any life. But okay, so let me pitch you. Let me pitch you on a on a. We would say television show, but these days nobody watches television. This is a YouTube show. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's me, you, Tara, and we just travel. And pops. And pops. And pops. Bring pops too. (laughs) And James Bond. And James. You would travel to various countries, Mm -hmm. and you would uh, partake in the drinking cultures. Okay, so Anthony Bourdain, but with with drinks. Yes. Okay. Strictly booze. Mm-hmm. Okay, none of that like food it. stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's he, just, he would not eat the weird stuff. Yeah, I'm not eating weird <laughs> stuff. Uh, n- that's not happening. But I'll drink whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's easier. To I learn how to say you learn how to say cheers in whatever language mm-hmm. they speak. But what if the cocktail had egg in it? Like Many they, cocktails have egg. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. But you're so anti-egg. Yeah, but just don't tell me it's in there. That's all. I don't have to watch you make it. You know what I mean? I'll like, make you a mayonnaise cocktail gross. with an egg froth. That's so terrible. 
<laughs> sounds terrible. No, you'd hate the, the Moe's. They're flips, and we might have one on our fall menu. So Moe's cocktails have just the egg white, but a flip has the entire nope. egg in it. No, absolutely no. Not for you. Okay. Mm-mm. So eggnog is out of the question, no. yeah. Okay, let's go back to this TV, this okay, YouTube sorry. show. Okay, so Going off the rails here with eggs, gross. <laughs> uh, sorry, egg industry. Uh, okay, so this episode I think, brought to you I by think, Express. Like, you have two. You have various options, right? You can have a whole show on, you know, the history of people love that stuff. They do the history mm-hmm. of cocktails, the history of alcohol in itself. No, I would love that the most because that is. Anytime we go anywhere, like I was telling you earlier, and it's still the case to a degree that the first thing I would look at is restaurants. But now it's the first thing I look at is bars and and always definitely wanting to go to bars that are similar to ours where where we can get ideas to bring back home. But also if we're somewhere like we went to Oaxaca or something. Um, there, there are items like there's a pulque there. It's a very. Do you know, are you familiar with that? It's kind of like a. It's made out of corn. It's fermented. Oh, I but thought it's you meant very, the tuna. No, okay. <laughs> Got it. that's what I thought too. I was like, I want. I was like, that's Hawaii. It's okay. kind of like frothy, like beer, and we would never do that in Midland and bring that back. But, but yes, it's. I like to learn when I'm traveling to bring back, but I also just like to drink whatever they drink locally. Yeah. And so I heard about this alcohol. And then I went and bought it because I was like, Ryan, you got to step up your game. And it's a Kasasha, right? Right? Kasasha, yeah. And it's made from sugar cane. Yes. And it's gross. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, oh, this is going to be delicious. It's a clear sugar. Yeah, I thought it was a. I thought it was, you know. It was just going to be like simple syrup. I thought it was simple syrup. (laughs) I was like, oh, this is going to be delicious. And I was like, oh, this is not good. Same with like ouzo, right? I was like, oh, Oh, ouzo's awful. I was like, I don't like anything that's. like licorice or anise flavored, no. really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah, I don't love ouzo, but there are people that adore it. I'm just, I'm just not one of yeah, them. Yeah, they're in Greece. Yes, like I only like Jaeger and a Jaeger bomb. No, <laughs> Jaeger, Jaeger bombs, kind of a little over it. But that's you, also like a a younger, right? Or yeah, babies. Do people are still you, drink those? I think I went to I a bar and was like, "Hey, let me get a shot of Jaeger," and somebody was like, "Okay, well, I'm going to give you Fernet." Uh, nice. How did you like Fernet? Oh, it was much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't like, that supposed to be good, like, after you've had too much to eat? Fernet, yeah, I, I could see that it would be used as, like, a digestive for sure. Yeah. Fernet is, like, you were talking about going to bars that feel like they're industry bars, like bars for, like, the bartenders when they get off. Yeah. Fernet is, like, the industry drink, you know, a beer with a shot of Fernet. But yeah, Fernet, I mean, that was a good bartender sub because Fernet and Jaeger are in the same category called Amaros, which are these um, very bitter um, liqueurs. So so, interesting. Yeah. um, Yeah. I never knew because we don't carry Jaeger, but we we carry a few Amaros. When we um, opened the Blue Door, we were kind of, you know, you're you're wanting your vision or your motto or whatever. And we said, okay, so the first thing we want to focus on is quality. So we're not going to have the $4 bottle of, of rum. We're not going to have, you know, bottled sweet and sour, those kinds of things. So that decision was super easy. And then, but then the next thing we said is that we don't want to be um, pretentious because we, you can be pretentious in a Manhattan bar. That's totally fine because yeah. you're going to have a, a population that wants that. You know, they want it to be kind of exclusive and kind of know what to expect when they get there. They're going to want it to be just a very specific crowd. But we, um, we live in West Texas. And if we got too 
um, too narrow in that exclusivity. There's not enough of a population mm-hmm. to, to do that, you know? And so we uh, wanted... Demand. Right, exactly. And so it needed to be something that, that was approachable as well. It's where I, I can make these things for you um, that are that are more elevated and more like what I would drink um, and that I would love to make for you, but I can also do this for you as well. Um, and there are limits to that, though. Like I said, like we don't have Jaeger. Like there are some things, like we don't have, oh, like things like, like pucker and like items like that. We don't oh, have yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. Um, <laughs> And so if someone comes in and says, you know, do you, can you make a um, like a watermelon, you know, martini or whatever they ask for? I can't because I don't have that product, but I know what you're wanting. Mm-hmm. You're wanting something sweet. You're wanting something fruity. So I can I can make something that you'll like that is going to be much more like honest from my point of view, like yeah. cleaner ingredients, yeah, yeah, fresher yeah. ingredients and things like that. But I would say that. um the cocktail that I think is most, I don't know if it's overrated, it's just over-ordered. Okay. It's, it's just a vodka soda. Yeah. yeah, I'm just like, that doesn't taste that great. Mm-hmm. Now, I get that if you are, you know, if you're looking, you're seeking gains or, you know, you're trying, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. Like, I get it. Right, it right, it's right. low carb. It's low. It's no, like, it's no carb, pretty much. It's no yeah. sugar. Um, so I totally get that. And then also from a hangover perspective, you're going to feel better the next day. So totally not as judging that. As long as that. it's not $4 vodka. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm like, at least let me make you a Chilton. You know what I mean? At least let me add like a little, you know, a little lemon juice. You're still going to be no carb, you know, a little bit of salt. And so there's some flavor and it just feels nicer. Um, So, and I think that that's just an an easy thing for people to order. And and I get that. Like you come into a bar, especially if you haven't been to, like it's kind of your first experience going to more of a cocktail bar, it can be intimidating mm-hmm. and you see all these things on the back bar and you don't know what any of them are. And so you, you feel the bartender's like, what do you want? And you feel kind of panicked and you just say like, just give me a vodka soda. Rushed. You know what I mean? And you don't want to see, you don't want to seem yeah. silly and you don't want to order the wrong thing. And so you know that they can make that. So there's really, there's no judgment. I'm just like, let me, let me help you out here because we yeah. can achieve the same goals, but have it be a more pleasant experience for you or just a better experience for you. Give us some examples of some underrated that like nobody's ordering, but man, you've got to try these. Um, well, the first one is what I brought you, which yes. is the Vucare. And so, and I feel like a lot of people in Midland who have been regulars at the Blue Door, they order it, but it's still something that that I don't see on cocktail menus from bars that I've I think should, yeah, yeah, should try putting it on there. But again, yeah, there are challenges with it, you know, that how to pronounce it and what the ingredients are. But I think if you can get that guest to try it once, they'll they'll continue to order it. And then another one that people don't order is a Mai Tai. And it is okay. because they've been burned by terrible Mai Tais. Yeah. Um, by Mai Tais that, that really don't have anything to do with the actual recipe of a, of a Mai Tai. They're, Mai Tais are not supposed to be orange, pink, Neon, right, exactly, right. And they're not supposed to come in hurricane glasses. And a Mai Tai, Uh when traditionally made, (laughs) is is a super simple cocktail. It's basically a rum sour, but you're using um, a a bit more um, kind of tropical ingredients. So you would use um, an aged rum is best. Mm -hmm. Then you need something sour. And so you'll use freshly squeezed lemon juice, but then you need something sweet. And so with uh, Mai Tai, instead of using just like a normal simple syrup, like mm-hmm. you would use, you use orgeat, which is an, an almond flavored oh. syrup, kind of tastes a bit like amaretto, um, that's used in a ton of tiki drinks. Okay. 
And then you use a little bit of an orange, like a triple sec, but like a Cointreau, something like that. Yeah. And it's going to punch up the alcohol content some and just give it a little bit more of a depth of flavor. But it's a it's a clean cocktail. Um, it is not overly sweet by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, it's a, it lends itself a little tart. But anytime we have an event where I can make traditional Mai Tais and serve it to a crowd, I do because I know that I'm about to convert some yeah. people because they, they love it every yeah, single time. Yeah, I've only time. had a Mai Tai in Hawaii yeah, and I think, remember it yeah. was like very sweet. Right. And that's just, they're catering to the tourists. To it that, yeah, exactly what they think. And and that's really too bad because I think a lot of um, a lot of people are becoming a lot more educated about drinks now and want not that super sweet cocktail. But, right. but I mean, they, I'm sure that they've weighed the yeah. They know their clientele, you know, more than more than I do, of course. And so every um, every place is different. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's either, uh, you know, uh, Hawaii or, you know, every tiki bar. I would love to. I mean, there's no way. Go I don't ahead. Think. No, exclusive. Yes, yes. You dropping an exclusive on us right now? Like You're- a tiki bar? Like that would, that be, would be so, so much cute. fun. But I do. I do feel that it might be a little too niche. Another concept for you. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. I'm in marketing, right? So, because uh, a number of years ago, I did did a little bit of marketing work for a place called Kahunaville. Kahunaville. Oh. You know? I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they had a, yeah, it was a tourist bar, obviously. But they had a, you know, you can order the, like, the punch bowl mm-hmm. for, like, a group. This one was a toilet bowl. No. Oh, no. It was a porcelain no. toilet bowl. Mm-hmm. It said Kahunaville on there. And a couple straws, twenty five bucks. It's yours to keep. It was like a. It was like a. You know, it was like a collector. So just throwing it out there. I mean, you know, sky's the limit. Okay, so when we open our tiki bar, we can do tiki toilets. Tiki toilets. Tiki toilets. Oh my gosh. You know, we just need the capital, really. I mean, we're we got the idea. This is, yeah, this is a, <laughs> just this is a think tank funding. right here. Whoa, we just need look. Okay, I'm moving that over there. We just need the funds. Just came to me. Oh my god. Here's the here's the title, okay. Man versus booze. Man versus booze. Oh, I love that. Right. Okay. All right. Don't, listen, YouTube. Don't steal that. Don't steal this idea. Okay. Uh, Food Network. That's not free. That's that's mine and hers and yours. Man versus booze. All right. Let's it. do it. Well, listen. Uh, we're not going to keep you here all night. We really appreciate you stopping by and educating us. Oh. My pleasure. I love talking about cocktails and liquor and all of those kinds of things. And kitties. And kitties. If there are musicians who would be interested in playing at the Blue Door, okay. I, it, I s- small groups, like I'm thinking yeah. one to two to two people, but we would love that. I would love for them to reach out to like me. Like a nice little acoustic set. Yes, abs- absolutely. I, I, I have to someone start. in mind. Yes. Tell them to reach out to me the best way. Really, there's they can reach out to me, social media, Instagram or Facebook. I'm more, much more active on Instagram, uh, but they could also go through my website because okay. there's a way for them to contact me through there. But I'd love to start creating a bank of musicians so that when we do get this kind of set up, mm-hmm. that I'll be able to start start booking things nice. right away. Awesome. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the, the best way to connect with me, the best way to learn about 
the blue door and what we're about, if you're not familiar with that, is through Instagram stories. That is where I'm the most active because okay. I just feel that I get a lot more. I'm able to interact with people a lot more. Right. And it's more engaging with people kind of responding to quizzes and responding to questions. And, you know, it, it's no fun to just you know, project my voice out there if people aren't enjoying it and engaging with me. And they do yeah. they do it really well in stories. And so um, you'll get all of the information about our upcoming events through Instagram stories, but you also will get um, cocktail lessons. Yes, that's and, it. And again, when you're, when you're reaching out to the Blue Door, this, you're talking to Erica. Yes. You're talking to the source. Yes, yes. I am the one that answers all of your questions and reads all of those messages on Facebook, on website, on um, Instagram. You'll be talking directly to me. Nice. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And feel free to use man, uh, man versus booze on your Instagram stories. I mean, that's, that's I, for I you. I think it, it, it's, it's going to come up sooner yes. than later, I do believe. That's right. That's right, YouTube. Hey, good cocktail name. Right? <gasps> mm-hmm. Okay, listen. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's going to be a strong cocktail. Yes, what? absolutely, yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll, we'll come drink it. We'll make some content. Perfect. Love it. Oh, man. Like, so, sometimes I just hit a home run, you know? Yeah. It's, it's one like in a thousand. Like when you met me. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> It's, how do you hit a home run every day? I don't know. Anyways, thank you so much. Check out the Blue Door, bluedoor.com. The Blue Door.com? The Blue Door Midland. Oh, the Blue Door yeah. I think the bluedoor.com is like a sex store. Oh. <laughs> yes. So it's like um, the White House. Yes. yes. Com versus whitehouse.gov. Yes. Man, those people are. are yeah, it's bluedoormidland.com. And you it's linked in my both. Instagram, too. You taught me that. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always. But address. Yep. First and foremost. Yes, I did that too. Yes. Hey, Addison, I mean, look at you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's staying in. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right.